Hi, and welcome to the Road to Sustainability show. Today, I'm really excited to have Alessandra Zolberger. Alessa is an entrepreneur, investor, and active board member to several companies. Alessa is also the founder and CEO of Top Tier Impact, the global ecosystem of impact and sustainability leaders. TTI's group's mission is to accelerate the mainstream adoption of impact and sustainability as the way of making investments and running companies. Hi, Alessandra. Hi, Al. Great to be here. Great to have you. I'm excited, actually, for this conversation because it's been a while that we wanted to share a lot of things and we um, we have a lot in common. And, and thank you for joining me today. Uh, first of all, would you please present yourself? Sure. So I'm Alessa. Uh, I'm originally from Switzerland. I'm uh, both an entrepreneur and investor, kind of been that in parallel for most of my career, or either one or the other. I'm the founder and CEO of Top Tier Impact. We are the global ecosystem for impact investors, impact entrepreneurs, corporate leaders, famous figures in sustainability. We're across more than 40 countries. We have a very active private community. We also have units for investing and fundraising. We have a strategy consulting unit for climate risk uh, scenario planning, and we have a policy unit for policy work in sustainability and energy. So that's a little bit of uh, a quick overview of uh, what I do day to day. It's amazing. I've been following you since a long time and actually your activities and you know overall experience is amazing. So congratulations on your achievements. Um, it's really amazing. The network that I see that is purely and simply extending over time. Uh, and you have some great names from the industry. So, I mean, Go for it. Thank um, you. Alessa, how would you describe the current state, the current global state overall? Uh-huh. Yeah, so we're going through, since a while now, since COVID really, we're going through this phase of, uh, hold on a second, what have we been up to? What are we doing? Does this make sense? And it's not really stopping. Yeah. And actually, I think that this is going to escalate in various different ways. Yeah. I think that from a climate perspective, there are some efforts being done. But the reality is that based on the science and what's coming, we're not even close to doing nearly enough. And so I think that in the next four or five years, we will see some system collapses of sorts. And uh, and we will just see some of the repercussions. And yeah. I think that the repercussions are quite complex, obviously, by nature in this field to, to predict because there are so many different things involved. And uh, there's the social component, there's the natural component, there's the economic component, right? And so I think that uh, we're living through unique times. And so I want to add in there that even though this sounds like a lot, it is, it's quite unique. But it's also exciting to be living through these times and uh, seize them as an opportunity to focus on real change because we need everybody right now to focus on that. Absolutely. You know, I've been reading um, a lot of statistics and numbers uh, consequently to COVID and also to glo the global crisis. And Bloomberg last week announced that there are 8 million people dying from global pollution every year. Right which yeah. is dramatic um, and, yes. and it's uh, this is really concerning and I've been 
reading a lot of statistics um, also regarding whatever is related to food um, and, and many other damages. How, how did you personally make it through the crisis? What, what are the tri tips and tricks that uh, you can, you know, after this crazy year, uh, tell us a bit, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective and also from a, a woman overview? Yeah, well, you know, on a personal and professional note, I have to say that um, I've been doing very well. And uh, I guess the main thing is I've enjoyed not traveling. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was so overdue yeah. and it was so needed yeah. um, for myself, my system and everything else to mm -hmm. just like be much more all in one place. And uh, I find myself even now that things are opening up in many countries, I just found myself not particularly inspired to travel. Um, so this has been a fantastic one. And I think that, you know, I was already on um, an inner journey, like on, on personal growth anyway. I see that as a parallel theme, like, you know, a continuous parallel theme. It's not like, oh, I, you know, I'm doing my things for six months and then I stop for one week and I do that, you know? So it's like, it, it carries on and it's about how I show up for the world, you know, for the people around me, for what I do and put out in the world. But I find that obviously with COVID, we've all had even more of a buffer yeah. for that, right? Just by, by virtue of being still. Um, and so, so that's been fantastic as well. And it's been a continuation and perhaps an acceleration of what I was already doing. You know, I think that in a way COVID has accelerated so many different things. When I reflect about it, you know, it's been an accelerator of certain trends, like personal, professional, I think also for the world, obviously, to realize yeah. where we're at, you know, at this mm -hmm. point in time. So I have to say that there are so many things that I've enjoyed from this crazy year. Yeah. It's a great lesson on humanity, I think, um, whatever is related to our activities on a day-to-day -day basis, but also to our action to come um, an upcoming agenda as human beings, but also, you know, has uh, being uh, perpetually on the move is not something that, as you mentioned, you know, traveling is not that important, I mean, or imperative. Yeah. Uh, and we saw that we can do it over video calls and being, you know, aware about our time frame that we allocate, you know, to exchanges. But I think that, you know, somehow on the human side, we need to share and to be in, in groups um, from a multidisciplinary point of view. And I was wondering how can we make these connections um, over uh, digital tools and, you know, connections and bringing up enough diverse yeah. people and personalities to to make yeah. good things yeah. happen yeah yeah it's a very good point yell because i find that the way this has happened for me is that i actually have a community here where i am i have been in asia in thailand the whole time and there's an amazing entrepreneurial community like people in various sectors like people coming from such different angles but um you know a lot of common grounds and so i found myself having this on one side and then having all the amazing things that i do so to say online right yeah. like with all my work um but in a way finding it even easier to on one side like be in my physical space yeah 
right, with the community and then on the other side, manage all of these activities and, you know, be able to not have to travel to conferences, right, do everything online, like not travel for important meetings. And so you make me reflect on this because I think, wow, I've actually, I don't think that I was so present and connected from that physical community side of things um, before COVID, ironically. And so I obviously don't think that, you know, in some countries this has just not been possible at all. Uh, but I think that in a way it calls us all to reflect even more on, uh, you know, where do we want to be based and how do we want to go about that, right? And then sort of like reflect on it in a more grounded way as well. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that somehow you realize that you can find a new balance in terms of well-being, but also in terms of activities and purposes, uh, which is, I think that it's great from, you know, on the long term, we're going to just figure out that, well, wait, you know, what's just happened is just something that is awesome for us as in our evolution, um, you know, from different types of um activities and realized at some point that we didn't really need it's it it became you know somehow something that we have to roll out on our own path also as human being and also as women you know because my 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 following question is about you know what would you share uh to other women to uh, get on stage i mean or to make it on the entrepreneurial journey since uh covid helped us just realize that we can do almost everything over the, online. Yes, so the question being, would I encourage that to do more yeah, online? Yeah, first is, what what type of, if, yeah, first of all is, do you encourage other women, or would you encourage other women, you know, to take that, uh, that trip uh, on this new journey, like an entrepreneur, and what would you I say, see. you know, to your younger self? somehow yeah yeah oh that's like that's this. a nice one i would say definitely stay as grounded as possible in what makes sense so what truly makes sense you know for you and what you naturally enjoy for what your natural skills are which ideally tend to overlap with each other um for what brings a positive contribution out there for what has a clear market and a clear need right because sometimes like all of these things there they can align and when they align that's that's bingo right yeah. but sometimes like we really want to pursue a certain direction because it excites us and then we get a bit more irrealistic about the market itself um i think that would definitely be a you know advice for younger me, you know, getting excited about certain markets or entrepreneurship or learning certain things, right? And uh, um, so really staying as grounded as possible with looking at the full picture, right? And with uh, kind of assessing where you're at, where yeah. you're going. Uh, it's a mix of having that boldness, right? Because that is needed anyway, right? It's never, it's never going to be perfect. That picture is never going to be perfect, right? So it's just a matter of, um, I think at the same time, also plugging into your intuition, frankly, and, and feeling like, okay, well, it seems like I have enough here, right? I have a good market. I have something I enjoy. I have something that aligns with my lifestyle. And then really going for it and not expecting either to have 
a perfect plan ahead, right? But being able to sort of like adjust along the journey. And I know that this is like, you know, this sounds very obvious for startups, but it's something to really feel, right? I think that it's something again to to ground into, right? To be able to understand and listen, right? Listen to the market feedback, listen to people's comments, listen to your own inner guidance, right? Listen to all of these things and then like go through with the journey. Yeah, I, I feel that we're getting more and more aware about what's going on in the environment somehow because, uh, I mean, following the pandemic, everything seems flat on the same grade and we can access, you know, to diverse levels of um, category and categories of people and everything seems to be accessible, uh, but it's mm -hmm. also very challenging. And um, yeah. since since everything you know is like connected and that's something that we were looking for so long um i know that you know from the very beginning 20 years ago um on the web we were trying to promote the fact of communities interconnections um you know forums etc about exchanges and right now we're so overwhelmed with, with so many messages so many notifications and things like that. I mean, the perspective here uh, is really different. Um, it's becoming quite difficult to find the right path about what's being, you know, all around and what's happening all around. And I was wondering, you know, um, what's your take on selecting the right path? How do you uh, feel and vision the near future? Uh, what would you be able to tell us about, you know, the uh, decisions that you can make, um, you know, as a leader um, and as a visionary? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it really depends on the, the type of leader and the position. Like what I, what I say to, you know, the broader market and um, large companies as well, at the end of the day is that what's what's going to happen, it's, you can already see it. You can already see the first signs, which are big pieces of regulation coming out on climate from governments, right? And this is good, but the reality is that, and this is a bigger, big adjustment already from a corporate perspective, right? Because our consulting unit works with corporates around, you know, it's things like called TCFD, uh, it's the task force for climate-related financial disclosure. So, we see it's a big adjustment. It's a lot of work. But the reality is that these are helpful measures. But like I said in the beginning of our conversations, like they just start scratching the surface. Mm. And what's going to happen with the way that things are going to unfold like in the next years is that more and more of that kind of regulation will come. So what I actually tell leaders from a broader market perspective is to understand that being proactive right now might look like cost, might look like a lot of effort, but it will more than pay off in the future. A lot of industries will end up with stranded assets, like a lot of industries will, you know, not make economic sense anymore. And, um, you know, and certain companies will be in positions to like continue to survive, to thrive, and others will, it, it, it just won't make sense anymore. And so I think that it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I say, 
if it doesn't necessarily speak to you really from the heart, right? Like I need to take care of this for children, for the next generation, like that's fine. But from a pragmatic perspective, you should also know, you know, so it's like one way or the other, right? Yeah. Um, and by the way, I think the pragmatic angle is why so much more is now happening. And then I would say that for, for entrepreneurs uh, that are sort of like starting their journey or perhaps thinking about starting their journey, it's much more about being flexible and visionary at the same time because so much is changing so fast and it can be scary and it can be like, wow, I can't even start grasping all of this and I don't want to deal with it too much, right? Like I'm just taking it step by step. But I think that if as an entrepreneur, you actually fully lean into that, right? You lean into all of the change and actually you start imagining how that's going to play out, how it's going to massively change things, then you can really be onto something because there are going to be giant gaps opening up. And so I think that for uh, wannabe entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs starting their journey, it's much more about you know, stay present with whatever fears or whatever overwhelming things come up as you face this picture and then fully lean into it to find the directions that come natural to you. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, You know, we we talked a lot about uh, during our last conversation, we talked a lot about activities and focuses on climate change and the dangers um, and also being uh, proactive, as you mean right now. what's overall the next the next step what are you know the next step for you um in terms of i know that you've been involved in blockchain but also in um i impact and tell us a bit more about your uh news and uh, mm-hmm. yeah so top tier impact really is a platform you know we are an ecosystem and so we have different units that tackle the adoption and the growth of positive impact as a way of investing and running companies. They tackle it from different angles. It tends to be systemic. So in other words, it's not just about one specific vertical, one specific sector, but it's much more horizontal. How do we make the entire space more efficient, right? So that's kind of our angle. And um, I would say there are ways both through which our existing activities Mm -hmm. um, are growing, right? And like the next things that are coming, and then potential new things. But right now I would say that it's very much of a phase of, um, I continue to have that loop, but it's a phase of settling, creating more processes, you know, doing these kind of things because it's a typical entrepreneurial journey where the venture changes so fast, evolves so fast. And so you continuously need to adjust around it. So that's that's sort of like the the current situation. Well, Mm -hmm. the landscape seems to follow that wave um for a while already in terms of process defining the right goals also mixing in between the technology and what is usable and what is feasible on the long term i feel that overall people are trying to build for the long term looking for sustainability and a lot of practice and also resilience and build from the ground up resilience uh, i've been you know, involved for the past uh, couple of years already, uh, much harder uh, in everything that's related to, sta- to sustainability. And we have this newsletter 
uh, growing, you know, over we, um, everybody seems to be really interested by sustainability and impact. Now, I'm again looking for how can we help people make it happen? You know, it's like, um, how can we help them build uh, the pillars also from a decision maker point of view, but also from a policy uh, point of view? What's what's your take on it? How can we make the bridges yeah. happening? Yeah, it's really it's really the entire ecosystem and the public and private sectors moving hand in hand as well, right? Because when you have changes in demand, whether they're purely driven by customers or they're driven by the regulatory landscape, then you know these changes can either impact positively or negatively companies. And so mm -hmm. if we're saying, well, how can we create the best conditions for sustainability to be both adopted in existing industries yeah. so that they don't freak out and think, oh my God, this is something we need to fight because it's terrible, right? Um, and then also to be easily and positively embedded in like the new divisions or companies or initiatives that are coming up. And I'll give you an example. I'm originally from Switzerland and uh, I saw with great disappointment how Switzerland voted against adjusting their laws yeah. towards the Paris Agreement. And my initial reaction was obviously super upset and shocked. Yeah. It's like, I can't believe. Um, Why? And then I was reading... I was reading through it, right? Because like th these are important things to understand. Um, and I haven't been there, right? So I, I, it's not like I'm following the daily news and seeing all the comments. In a way, this is even better, right? Because then I can zoom out more easily or I can look at the full picture more easily. And I saw very quickly how the way that this has been shaped up over penalizes rural cantons, rural areas yeah. of Switzerland, uh, people who move a lot by car, because frankly, there is no, you know, if you're on one mountain and you need to go to the other mountain, you need to have a car. And the car lobby over there. very, very strong in <laughs> yeah. Switzerland, right? So the car lobby was extremely upset about yeah. this. And so were other ones, obviously. But, you know, it's not about, oh, they're bad, like they should adopt this. It's more like, well, how do we make this more balanced, right? So that it's not disproportionate because then the urban cantons were in favor for it. And you could say, oh, it's because they're more educated. But the reality is that, it needs to be evened out and it needs to be thought of as, well, how do we make it, you know, like whether it's subsidies and other ways, like how do we make this a win-win for everybody? This is super important. And, uh, you know, and so as I say this, I hope that uh, other countries also, you know, most countries don't, are not quite as democratic as Switzerland, right? Yeah. That gets to vote on these things, right? And uh, frankly, I have to say that on things like this, it's uh, it's pretty good, right? That they don't have to do that because um, it's just kind of like, yeah, one way or the other, I would have liked for Switzerland to move in this direction steadily. And Switzerland is so affected uh, by climate change yeah. as well. You know, the reality is that, um, especially in rural cantons where uh, there might be like a big ski season and all, right? So, but unfortunately, it's uh, it's easy and it's understandable that people get sort of like scared about oh, what is this going to mean more cost here more cost there so i think it's just super important to approach these issues and design these things in a way that is win-win now in switzerland you could say well this gets exposed and rejected by the entirety of the system if it's not done in a more balanced way 
So I think that it's for other countries to look at that and think about how we're not going to overpenalize certain parts of the population. Because, yeah. you know, even if they don't get to vote on it, they're not going to be happy about it. And that's not going to have like nice results for the country itself. Right. Mm. So really thinking like, how can we make this even? How can we make this a win-win? How can we put forward the positive sides of this as well? How can we create real opportunities out of it and market these opportunities? I think the UK has been doing a good job on many fronts and the UK has been, you know, the, the forerunner on many things, many things that relate to climate. So that's been that's been very pleasant to see. And I believe that they also have an approach where there's a lot of focus on mm. the subsidies and the good programs and, you know, how to turn this into an opportunity. I, I think that's very important going forward for countries to try and do that as much as possible. Yeah, I think that overall the UK is doing great in terms of equipment and uh, city and urban landscape in terms of focuses on pollution as well. I think the inhabitants yeah. are also quite involved, uh, contrary to many other countries, uh, and the population understands and uh, is being more, more, much more aware and also clear with the goals to um, save the planet. But I think it's it has to be, you know, a global effort, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's I think that, you know, um, if we engage in any type of um, activity or, you know, within the next few, few years, uh, it has to be also related to whatever is about, you know, climate change. Um, it, it's becoming an imperative. Um, and I feel that the way to get there is also to have much more women involved in such activities. And I would, I'm curious to have your doubts about, you know, why we don't have enough women uh, sitting at the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's look at the bigger picture, right? And let's face the reality because the reality is that our systems, our economic and political systems have been shaped for centuries and centuries mm-hmm. in, you know, depending depending on where the audience is at, you know, these would be like familiar ways of expressing it, but, you know, in a very masculine type of way, right? It's a system that is in from various corners like not balanced like if you just think about masculine and feminine values like in a more abstract way and you think about on one side the natural collaboration and and nurturing and balance like of the feminine and then the the drive and the control and the authority of the masculine we've been completely on this side of things and there's kind and there's been a friction there's been a fear on both sides you know and so as I, if I think about, for instance, like my career, because I've reflected about it and, you know, I started working in very male dominated environments. I, I still am, you know, all the way through. Um, and as people would say, I'm quite, you know, I'm good at handling that and showing up, you know, in my power in that. But I've realized that it's only more recent years that I've actually felt comfortable embracing more feminine aspects of myself in the way that I shop through my work because it felt not safe you know and I wasn't aware of that and so and you know all I wish is a world where not only that feels safe but actually the balance is there because the reality is that we wouldn't be in this mess from a climate perspective if we had much more balance embedded um, in our systems um, and this, this is really the case like across the board. And so, 
you know, these, this could be a very long discussion that you and I could have about it, right? But I think the bottom line is we need it both for the, the sort of the fairness, right? And the ethics for everybody, for every human to be welcome. And it's not just about male versus female, right? Yeah. It's so, so much more than that. Uh, so we need it from that human perspective. But then we frankly also need it from a systemic perspective. Yeah. We need better balanced systems. And this, you know, this kind of leads us to blockchain technology because even though the crypto and trading side of things has been hyper-masculinized right now, actually this technology at the core, this distributed system have very feminine values embedded in them. You know, it's, it's distribution is aligning everybody's incentives with your incentives. Like this is a massive failure that we have globally right now. And that has led us to all these negative externalities and all of these problems. And frankly, a lot of sufferance, like Mm -hmm. from all humans involved in this, which is that, optimizing for your individual interest is not naturally aligned with everybody's interest for me this is a key point for me this is where our society needs to evolve beyond we need to evolve beyond because this is just like a road to disaster and so for us to have both systems and then humans awakened enough to understand this point that acting in the collective interest is the best thing you can do for your own interest right to inherently understand that yeah. right understand yeah. that you're part of an ecosystem yeah. and the human species just like any other species evolves as an ecosystem we don't evolve as a single species it's been proven you know in the history of like evolution right because it used to be incorrectly understood it's been proven scientifically as well that it's actually about ecosystems that develop and evolve of course. in balance right and right now we're completely out of balance because we have and this is impressive right we have advanced so much especially in the last few decades from a technology perspective from uh you know a way that we've put ourselves on top of the food chain right it used to be dangerous to be a human in the jungle right now we have plenty of ways for that not to be the case Mm. um and so well that is incredible and it's you know it's a sign of an intelligent civilization as opposed to just nature right and animals at the same time it comes with its consequences right and so we've pushed very far on one side. And uh, I think this is kind of the proof of fire for us as a species, like to be able to balance things out, to be able to understand that with great power comes great responsibility. And it's time to show up with that responsibility and embed it in the way that we do things for our own benefit and for everybody's benefit. Very smart. And I think that, um, you know, just to mention that uh, human beings are representing 0.1% of the global uh, species overall, and we're doing, you know, more than 75% of damages on Earth. So, I mean, it means it means a lot. And, and thank you for mentioning those great points, actually, because I feel that on a global mindset, we can still have, we still have a lot of room to... Um, perfect and to ameliorate, you know, the level of uh, the global sharing and the global co- collaboration uh, in terms of diversity ethics, as you mentioned, but also in a way that it's inclusive and uh, and, and enough protecting and, and safe for overall. Um, one last point that you want to share, please. I know that you have a <laughs> I lot would of say- so going on, so... 
I would say it's kind of like my motto and uh, something I believe in and something that I've embedded into top tier impact, you know, mm-hmm. as a global community where people can really make meaningful connections for advancing their businesses, their investments, their companies, whatever it is. It's uh, focusing on solutions instead of yeah. problems. Sometimes I read these fancy, elaborated problem explanations and then I either approach the person or I try to find any hint of, okay, like you got the problem really well. What do you think the solution is? And there's just crickets, nothing, right? And I think that's completely disbalanced. And frankly, <laughs> that's not particularly helpful. Yeah. So focusing on solutions rather than problems, because I think there are some very complex well more like there is a complex path to finding simple and elegant solutions i was actually having this discussion yesterday with a colleague of mine i was really forcing him i was like what do you think is the solution for this we're just talking about big things you know what is the solution and that's not an easy question no and it's not an easy answer but once you get to the answer it looks easy and elegant because that's what you can push through and what can be implemented so that's one thing and then focusing on action rather than complaints you know like putting out complaints like it's just damaging to yourself and it's again it's not helpful to anybody and so i think for people to take responsibility of whatever it is that bothers them and Mm -hmm. see it as something within themselves to clear to solve to move beyond so that they can have a better life experience and that they can focus on things that are positive and exciting yeah i'm smiling because i had this conversation yesterday about action, <laughs> action so whatever is happening um thank you alessa so much i know that you had uh, a few news about the awards that you wanted to share um let us yeah know. so in terms of uh, anything to share so we are running top tier impact is running the global impact awards uh, we cover all economic sectors so agriculture and food energy and environment which includes oceans reforestation uh, climate tech obviously that's a big one yeah. and uh, and various other sectors like health and tech and so we are taking applications until end of the month awesome. uh, very excited for the companies that are coming through and uh yeah and then i'll have later in the year i'll have content coming out in the blockchain space but really like looking at the blockchain uh blockchain technology and the blockchain space as a force of positive system change which is why i approached it many years ago with so much interest and which Mm -hmm. is why i'm still so excited about it day in and day out so we will talk with uh, uh, global blockchain leaders about how they see that as well right because most people see that too when they're running these large uh, companies and they don't get to talk about it so we'll we'll be diving into that Um, and I think that's about it yes well great news a lot a lot's going on Uh, we'll be happy to support anytime of course and happy to collaborate also Thank you, Alessa, so much. That was a great interview. And I'm wishing you a lot of luck uh, and way to go. Thank you, Yael. Thank you. That was really fun. Great job.